Welcome to Brain Machine Network. Dot com. What's up with you? What's going on? Let them know, help us grab you a song. Turn the volume up, I suggest you to run this live request. Man, all right, welcome to another edition of Tawanda's Live Request. I'm here with my co-host, Nick. What up, Nick? What's up? And our producer, Uche. What's up, Uche? You hear us? What's good? What's good? What's good? Yeah, and then also, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we have, yeah, we have a guest, fucking Jerry O'Connell. What's going on, bro? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I just feel that's crazy. Um, well, you know how this happened, uh, Tawanda, is you uh, slid into my DMs. Like, you said something on social media that made me laugh, and I followed you. And then uh, you said, come on the show. And after, you know, I, of course, immediately assume when someone says, come on my show, it's some sort of like, it's some sort of scam coming from Estonia where I'm going to end up sending like a, a naked photo of myself. And yeah. I'm going to end up paying money for the rest of my life but uh you guys are very established i wanted to come on and give you give you a taste of my music history as well and sort of go through <laughs> yeah, i appreciate that be a part of the podcast thanks man no that's crazy well i really appreciate um, no, I, I am a little afraid i'm a little afraid i'm about to get really judged for some of these songs oh here. not at all you, no, you bro, may even no. cut the interview extreme Oh, not you at all. You even cut the interview extremely short. <laughs> nah, bro. Um, honestly, because I, I say this because I remember exactly what I said on social media because I was watching. I think I was talking about how I couldn't watch Housewives anymore because it was just like I just realized I was like I just. I, it's better when you have. It's better when you have a girlfriend real or a wife. Yeah, Real Housewives of Atlanta. I couldn't watch not just right. Housewives, but like Real Housewives of Atlanta. I couldn't watch any because right. like it's better when you have a girlfriend. And then somebody was like, "Oh, you're like Michael Rappaport," and I was like, "No, I mean like Jerry O'Connell," because because that was a thing. Because I was like, I've noticed. I've noticed like that shit. And then on top of that, my favorite thing was you host when you uh, hosted as Wendy, for, for Wendy Williams. That was I was like, oh, this is <laughs> so. For those who have no clue who I am, uh, I'm Jerry knows. O'Connell. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I was a frequent guest on Wendy Williams's sh- show, and Wendy Williams took a leave of absence for a little bit, and um, they were looking for a co-host. And Wendy, for some reason, I had only been a guest on her show. I didn't really have a personal relationship with her at the time. Wendy, for some reason, said that guy, let him go, and. Um, it's funny. It was, um, you, you know, I'm an actor. I've been in TV shows. Um, I've been in plays, Broadway plays. Yes, I saw you in one. Doing that live television show for an hour was the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done. And shout out to radio DJs who really um, have honed the craft. I'm talking about, like, you know, Wendy Williams, Howard Stern, uh I saw Charlemagne the God on Bill Maher on Friday. I don't know if you saw him. He was awesome. He he was like the best guest Bill Maher has ever had. And I really think it comes from that every day, radio, in the studio, filling five hours of content. You know, uh, this is, um, this is um, you're not going to know, you're too young to know who these names are, but a guy named Tom Joyner. Oh, I'm Tom Joyner. I'm Tom Joyner, yeah. First was one of the first guys who did that syndicated, you know, not only made a lot of money, you know, just like was able to fill a hundred million trillions of hours of content, you know, it's, um, and, um, it was, uh, really the hardest thing I've ever done and why I have such respect for people like Wendy and Charlemagne and just all, all, all DJs out there. All right. Um, let me, uh, you know what? Let me quickly get into the, one of the first songs because I know you guys talk about music on the podcast. Yes, of course, of course. One of the first songs. And remember, this is a judgment free zone, is it? Yeah. Not? So, oh, this is really, this is a, bro, I'm you have no. Nick, I have a feeling Nick is ready to roast me. I'm He's got a pen and pad out and he's preparing <laughs> to roast me. All right. Let me. Uh, let me help out. Um, I mean, I know I I know Uche's on on top of it, but I also I also got some things ready. The first song I'm going to play is a little ditty 
called Maneater by Hall and Oates. You can hear it here. Oh, yeah, we can hear that. Yeah, I'll fuck with you. Duo in the 80s. Yeah, I know, I know, about, I know about Hall and Oates. Uh, I, I was in the fourth grade. Yes, that's how old I am. And this song came out. <laughs> and I hadn't had much experience with women. And I wanted experience with women. Yeah. And then Maneater came out. And I thought, wow, this is like the excitement of women and the lure of them. And you have to tone that the line of want, lustfully wanting to be with them, but also being careful. <laughs> I love that shit. Da, 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 da. Wait, we're we're coming to the hook. Um That's my shit right there. <laughs> That's my idea. I got, I got. This is it. Here's the hook. Yep. Uh-oh. Oh, 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 here she comes. Watch, watch out, out for Jerry. Oh, oh, here she comes. Oh, watch out. She's a man. <laughs> that, was my, that was really. It may have been the first album I bought. Yo, first, okay, I have like, my first heard this song. I was in the back of my mom's car, right? I think I was maybe like in the third grade. And I heard this, and I thought, when I said man eater, I legit thought she like ate people. <laughs> I was like, this is about, she eats people? Like, and then, like, and I got older, I was like, oh, it makes sense. And this is also a great, this is a, it's one of my favorite genres of songs where it's just like, yo, that girl will break your heart immediately. Like, there's so many songs that's like, yo, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Like, it's just spooky. It's like, I want you call it. Like, ever hear the song Natalie by uh, Bruno Mars? Uh, even, before, even, even before that. Living La Vida Loca. Living La Vida Loca is about the same thing. <laughs> sure. Living La Vida Loca, yes. Yeah, it's about uh, it's about before you get into a relationship, be careful because you're gonna get chewed up and spit out. Yeah, and we shouldn't just say this is. I mean, this is yes, they are specifically talking about a woman, but it was about 100 years ago, so you can incorporate any gender. There doesn't even have to be a gender that you can incorporate in there. When you get into a relationship, someone could chew you up and spit you out. Oh, 100. And it's just like, well, I think to bring it deeper than that it's just yeah it's about that idea of just like yo there are evil there are people in this world that'll just that will ruin you and it seems like oh like, yeah like, be care be careful because they, they ruined me so they're gonna ruin you but it's also like it's weird to hear you know musicians because musicians are usually so confident they're so like vibrant they're like you know I, I can do anything now they're like hey this kind of person scares me a lot and that's so much that's a lot of vulnerability right there so this is the first time really like it's pop it, this is popular vulnerability i do have to say um this is hall and oats are about as pop music as pop music gets i have seen them in concert and it's like when you see a band like hall and oats just their songs are all so catchy and i did find myself like a older Caucasian woman waving my hands in the air like I just didn't care. Again, I'm yes. sorry to assign gender to that. But I, um, I was, um, I was like, I, 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 I was blown away. And people are going to get mad at me for comparing these two artists. But when you go see a Hall & Oates concert, it's amazing because they have so many hits and you're like, I know this song. I know this song. I know this song. And just like I did when I was trying to sing the lyrics to it, you have a feeling for what the lyrics are, but you don't really know. It's one of those like commuting songs where you're, you're like, um, but uh, I saw Prince in concert also, and that's oh, just like, I, I mean, that's just actually legendary hit after legendary hit. I mean, it's just like, you know, and now he's going to sing Nothing Compares to You because he actually wrote it and Sinead O'Connor sang it. And now he's going to sing Feel for You, which was a hit that Chaka Khan sang, but he wrote like wrote it, oh, wow. wrote on it. Um, it's like when you see those those 
groups with those hits after hit after hit. You know, typically a band has one hit, they sing their new stuff, you're bored, and then for the encore, they sing the song that you know, and the lights are going crazy, and you have a good time at the concert, mm. and you feel pretty good. Yeah. Hollow Notes has a lot. All right, all right, listen, I'm gonna, I know you, I think you got, I think you, uh, Tawanda, are from Massachusetts. Am I correct? Yeah, Boston, yeah. Boston, yeah. Spend time in Massachusetts. Yeah, I'm from from Boston, yeah. So I grew up in New York City. I grew up in New York City, in Manhattan. This was the early to mid 1980s. Mm. Um, After Maneater, um, uh, really for me, a. I was in a pretty integrated, I mean, I I was in a pretty integrated school, but for me, as a white kid, the first hip-hop album I purchased and became very aware of and played over and over again was Roxanne, Roxanne, (laughs) UTFO, which I believe was a diss track toward... Roxanne Chante. Am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, don't I don't know the history of it. I just watched the Roxanne movie on Netflix, but yeah, I, like I, Roxanne Chante was not my. I'm ashamed to say this. I know I should be applauding Roxanne Chante, but uh, I was not introduced until it was the male diss track. But yeah, that's it. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Oh. Um, and we played it um, over and over again. Yeah, man, that's. I remember, like, I, like the thing about that, like, that's yeah, that's before my time. But I watched a documentary about this and how important that song was. And I'm just like, oh, this is, this is back when rap was like, it was aggressive, but it was still like, it was fun. Like, it was like, I don't know how to explain it. This is like, it was like cardio aggression. Like, yeah, based out it's timed out. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's really, um, speaking of aggression, I don't know if you're talking about, like, I, I don't know if you're talking about, like, violence in, like, um, lyrics or violence toward each other. You know, my kids, it's so sad. I have children now who are 12, and they listen incessantly to that Pop Smoke song that's out. That's such a hit now. Um, uh, you guys would know better than me. You're 100 years younger than me. But, um, oh, God, it's so sad that Pop Smoke is past. I mean, yeah. Oh my goodness! What a nightmare! Yeah, I mean, so talented. I mean, the fact that here I, I live in the suburbs of Calabasas, and my kids know every single one of his lyrics. He's uh, so much talent. God rest his soul. I, I actually was thinking. I was thinking about that really, like the other day, when I was like, because to me, to me, like I'm old enough. Like, I was a pot smoke, and I saw like a child. I was like, he's like, 12, he's 19, he's 20 years old, but he had he had this booming voice, and it made me think about like when I was a kid, and I'd see rappers. Like in my mind, Tupac and Biggie were always like forty-five years old. Then I grew up, and I was like, "Wait, they were twenty-five? And it's like, <laughs> I was like, "Wait," in my mind, I was like, to, to this day, I'm just like, "Look at them! Like they're to, like they have these baby faces. That's st- they have these old baby faces to me. I'm like, what? What is that? Like I thought you got now, like you you were you were children. I know." I know. I, I'm well. I mean, by the way, it, anyone who's older than you is like the oldest person in the world. Oh, uh, I have a question. Am I the oldest person to ever come on this show? No. That would be a yes. There's one. I see Nick going yes. He's the oldest. So. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think so. We know this, this. No, this podcast is for. This podcast is about music, and music is for everybody. And because when you hear music, you don't. Now let me. Yeah. Let me keep it here. Um. And and by the way, I I I do want to thank Uche for uh, queuing that up for me. I had them all queued up in my Samsung Nine Plus, and I'm glad because I wasn't able to do it. Okay, Uche, are you ready? I'm going to hit you with another another request. I'm going to keep it. Hip hop in the uh, mid '80s. We're getting into '86, '87 now. Uh, a young artist named Bismarcky, but specifically, he had a song, Albi Square Mall, which I believe is a mall in Brooklyn somewhere. And uh, this was a song that my brother and I played incessantly. And like his lyric, I really started to understand that like hip hop, uh, rap, uh, they were stories. It was like poetry. It was like. I mean, here we go. Let's just enjoy this for a second. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Yeah. 
All I know about Bismarck Key is just a friend, and that's it. And I got okay. No, listen to this. Just listen and enjoy. Mm. Okay. <laughs> the Albi Square Mall. To an actual mall? Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could buy some felines to this. <laughs> I could buy a troop jacket. You know, I could buy a cat. I could buy a cat. Let's do this. We're going back. Let's do this. Hold on. I, uh, I. I still own a uh, triple fat goose jacket because I'm from the East Coast and I, yeah. I wear it out. Very rarely an OG will see me and go, hey man, is that a triple fat goose? <laughs> <laughs> and literally, it's like owning. I know these kids have their North Face Gucci collabs. Uh, you know, whatever. Fuck all that shit. I have a triple fat goose original, and always if I'm in a deli or something, someone usually wearing a pair of gazelle glasses will be like, "That's so dope." Listen to the talk. Oh man, this is yo. What did I want to buy? I want some. I want some gazelle. I want some gazelle glasses real bad. I want. I still want them to those day. Like to this day, I want that. And I want to get I want to get one of those eight ball jackets, those old school eight ball jackets. Mm. Those were, those were so tough. <laughs> yeah. But I heard people used to get like yeah. robbed for those, and I'm like, I'm really afraid. I'm like, I don't want to risk that. Well, it's so funny for me to see, you know, um, I, I'm married, I have a wife, and my wife is, you know, pretty fashionable, and my wife is desperately trying to get a, um, a Gucci North Face collab jacket that's like a thousand dollars, and she showed me the photo of it, and I was like, this is just East Coast hip hop like puffy jacket shit from. 35 years ago i can't believe that gucci is now it's just amazing what uh, what um how much rap hip-hop african-american culture has on international fashion i mean it really is it, it, it's um I, I i i feel such a sense of pride but at the same time i'm also like wait a minute gucci make sure you're 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 paying respect to the people who 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 started all this. Oh yeah, they did. I think they hired because because those original jackets that was Dapper Dan, and then Dapper Dan now works with Gucci. Like he's like I think his creative advisor or whatever. So like he's he's designing for them. They get, wow. they get, they gave him the cosign. His store, it, yo, his store is still in like New York. You should totally buy your wife a Dapper Dan jacket. Like bring it back to the culture. Get like a get a real Dapper Dan. <laughs> They're extremely, extremely expensive. I don't want to, um, I, I, I don't want to promote uh, illicit activities, but they do make. I, I shouldn't even talk about knockoffs. That's terrible. It's an illegal thing. No one should ever do it. Um, it's terrible. It's terrible. But I feel they're you. very expensive. I need a job before I'm buying some Dapper Dan stuff. <laughs> that's, okay. that's so that's Bismarck Albi Square Mall. Um, now I want to. Um, I want to move on a little later. This is not going to be as, um, I, I don't know if Bismarcky was underground, but this is going to be a little more mainstream, what I'm going to say. So, um, uh, but I was sort of a young, I was becoming a young man. So my, uh, my hormones were flowing a little more. There's an artist named Nina Cherry, who I think had a famous parent. I don't know uh, who was her famous parent. But she had a song, Buffalo Stance, in around 87, 88. 88, I think it was. Um, and, wow, I was really into her and um, and and her song. I mean, it just, uh, it's it was something I played. Is that her? Yeah, th this is her. 
She is a famous uh, parent that somebody could look that up. I've never heard this. Me neither. Uh, yo, usually, 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 like when it comes to all this rap music stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I heard, I heard that. This, I'm like, oh. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a hundred years old. It's like me going to a jukebox and playing you like dusty old records from my attic. Yeah, but, but, but still, I like, I, I, pre I appreciate all this stuff. I appreciate all this stuff. So I'm like, huh. Mm. Oh, lots happening here. Kind of turned to a bop. This guy's just a monster little bop. Like, oh shit. <laughs> oh man. This could be like a Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> <laughs> or an extra level in Street Fighter, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After you beat M. Bison, you listen to this, like, oh, shit. I feel like you listen to this at a party, and someone Mike Tyson used to walk in back in the day with the short shorts on. You're like, oh, what up, Mike? Um, there was a girl named Kelly Brown in high school who I was really into. Shout out to uh, Kelly. Spelled with an E, B-R-O-W-N-E. I look her up on the internet, very difficult to find her. She doesn't really have a social presence. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, uh, I really, when I hear this song, I really think of, um, we only made it to first base, nothing more uh, serious, um, like tongue stuff. Um, not even second base, but uh, I, I really think of her. I think of her very uh, in a very loving manner. She was yeah. she was a model, Kelly Brown. Oh wow, yo, why is it always the girls that you remember from like high school, college, or whatever that you had you had a thing for? Why is it that they always never have social media? <laughs> like, oh, I remember that girl, but I, but I can't find her online. You, you know, I, I have to tell you, as someone who's significantly older than everyone and the oldest person to ever come on your show, um, <laughs> I think it's a lot of times because um, the girls I dated are married a few times over, so their names have changed. Oh. A lot of the girls I grew up with have, have also, I, so I think there's married names. A lot of times uh, the girls I grew up with... Um, have served uh, some time and want to change their names so that when they go for jobs, uh, that their mugshots don't come up. I'm, I'm joking about that. Um, but um, I, um, I don't know. It's it's just really tough. But man, when you do find one and then follow them, it's uh, it's a real heart racer. <laughs> That's just so crazy. And you'd be like, I'm follow them. Is like, are they gonna remember me? Do they think about me that way? <laughs> Right, I imagine it's a more of a heart racer for them. It's like Jerry O'Connor. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what it's like. It's like from the past, you know, you just like click follow and then you just like DM like, hello from the other side. <laughs> yeah, but you're. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's different. But it's still it's different. Nick is right. You're, dog, I'm like, I don't, don't want to gas you, but like, I have to be, I have to be like, dog, you're Jerry O'Connell. Like, you did, you did, you did some shit that I, I didn't even notice. I didn't know it was you. I looked it up. I was like, oh, like, all right. My big thing. I talk about this on the podcast all the time. Is the justice, the animated, uh, the animated DC movies, Justice right? Yeah, just League stuff. Yeah. I didn't know you were Superman, bro. Yeah. yeah. Dog, that's you. Like, you know, dog. It's really funny when you get. Well, you know, it's 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 really funny when you get into Justice League. When I was younger, I was originally Shazam, so the teenage boy Shazam. Yeah. Then I graduated to Nightwing. Okay. Oh, <laughs> and then I graduated to at to Adam. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know who all these characters are. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I go through them. But then, as I got a little older and stuff, they gave me the call and said, "Okay." Um, how do you feel about Superman? And uh, I mean, it's just so iconic. Those those DC animated movies as well, I, I think, are the best superhero stories uh, out there right now. You know, I, I'm, I haven't done one in a couple of years, but, you know, when I was doing it, you know, the original, not the Snyder Cut, the Justice League was coming out. Yeah. The 
you know, the Green Hornet was coming out. So it was like, for my money, what we were doing in those animated Justice Leagues were, that was the best, um, in, in, in my mind, the the best DC stuff out there. Oh, 100%. I, I agree with that, I agree. 100%. Um, I remember especially, like, Apocalypse War came out. I remember when that, that came out. I remember you played Superman there, and it was just like, it's the subtleties to me, honestly, because like people usually when talking about Superman, everyone always hates like, oh, he's overpowered, he's this and that. But it's like, nah, there's like Superman's biggest power is that he's a, he's a human being. He, like he was raised to be a person. And it's just like you found the humanity in this quote unquote invulnerable person. Like, he's still vulnerable in certain ways. And in Apocalypse War, it's just like, well, it was, I don't know, you just make him sound human. You know what's really funny? You know what really helped me out? Um, and this is um, insane. I don't suggest anyone does this. But when the first one came out and I first played Superman, so I had never played, I had played Shazam, right? But mm -hmm. he was basically the same, uh, you know, Shazam and himself are, the, it, he's purposely the same sort of teenage voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Adam, I don't think we had ever seen his alter ego and Nightwing is just angry young Nightwing. Yeah, and, um, I had never played, so I had never played two different characters. And I did the first movie and I went to Reddit and it came out. And man, I'll tell you on Twitter, they're tough, but on Reddit, they're, they're really harsh. You know, they're, it's, it's, it's real, it's, it's real talk on Reddit. And, um, they really helped me carve out what I was going to do in the next movie and how oh, I was wow. going to differentiate um, Clark and Superman. It's really true. It's so funny. It's so funny what people say, like, you got to go through a little bit of pain to get better at things. And um, it was painful going through, because it would have been so easy for me to be like, fuck Reddit, I'm not reading it. Those people are losers. They're in their yeah. parents' basements. I'm not reading their comments. But their comments were really helpful and um, really helped me. Because, you know, I'll tell you, when you play superman um like i did it's not my character it's mm. it's everybody else's character uh, it, it's it's not mine I, I don't get to own it i don't get to go in there and do what i want i have to do what, what they want you know yeah that's real I, i'm literally like i mean it's like it's it's almost like being a president like you don't go in there to like you, i mean we all saw what happens when we get someone in there who is like i'm gonna do this my way it's just yeah. not it doesn't work out mm -hmm. if you're there for the people <laughs> yeah it's exactly this one yeah you're there for the people and i really yeah, it's cool that you said that and that you, you feel that way because it's just like to me it really showed because i think and to bring it back to just comics and like movies and shit, is that we all like everyone values Batman is like, oh, because he's this gruff, angry, da da da. But it's just like you made Superman cool again, bro. And I love, I always love Superman. So you made him cool again. So I always appreciated that. And I was like, yeah. Nick, so. please tell me when I'm getting too boring and I, uh, preachy. Okay. Me? Nah, this is no, 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 I'm having, I'm having a great time. And I don't, I don't usually say this, but this is my show. Okay. This is my show. Like, <laughs> okay. I'm having a good time. The show's having a good time. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what they say. Whoever's All listening right. right now, like, no, this is, this is, this, 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 this is for me. This is for me. This is it. Okay, I actually um, I got a little too excited. I went ahead to Nina Cherry. I wanted to say before that, yeah. and you can help me out with the history of this band. I don't know really anything about them, and they have to be a big band. But um, you know, a lot of people are very familiar with Cameo's work from Word Up. Obviously, that's their that's their big hit. Yeah, but. For me, the song I loved of theirs, and I listened to it the summer, I think a couple summers before I listened to that Nina Cherry one, Cameo Candy. Do you remember this song at all? Yes. Cameo Candy. Not Chromeo, not to be confused with the French uh, um, techno pop duo. Chromeo. I'm talking Cameo Candy. They were real. Oh, like, yeah. They were almost like post-funkadelic like let's just like enjoy this music. like yeah this, this is, is what i imagined like i imagined like it's that candy 
I remember Will Smith sampled this on uh, Big Willie Style. They had a, uh, he had a song called Candy. I thought I thought this was his beat, but he stole it. And I was like, come on, Will. I think this is in the videos when they started wearing that cod piece. <laughs> like a big red cod piece on in the... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because sexuality. Hot. Yeah. Mistaken. <laughs> All right. So when I was younger, I thought this, I thought this song was legit about like it was about like candy, like Snickers and shit. <laughs> but this is the, the, as I'm older now, I just I all I heard I heard I heard it go oh I'm like he's talking about drugs. <laughs> candy doesn't make, make go oh that's that's drunk like oh. I, I actually, that's me accepting. That's accepting noise. I think he's talking about. I think he's talking about uh, euphor- like sexual euphoria. <laughs> Even though I'm real, I know, bro. If it tastes good, I'm in the bedroom. All I'm saying though, if it tastes like candy, you're talking about sex. It tastes like candy, you gotta get your fucking shit taxed. That might be a UTI, baby. I want to look check my your glucose. Best. <laughs> I want to, I, I want to look my best for you. I think that means maybe like. Cleaning up private areas, making sure. <laughs> um, this is a good. This is a good song to shave your balls. Right, I'm gonna be smooth as a peppermint. Pe- I, I, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. The, like obviously, these these guys were very good musicians too. Like. I think it was one of those bands, almost like Steely Dan, where it was made up of like amazing studio musicians that just made amazing music when they got together. You know? Yeah. I feel that. Wrapped up tight. <laughs> heart attack. It's a kind I like. They mm. they rhymed heart attack like. Yeah, that's that's that drugs, baby. It's giving me heart. <laughs> oh, this is the. And I don't know, I don't know what drug, but it's it could be it could be the drug of just joy, but it's it's a drug. There's a there's a vocal style here that you like every now and then you hear somebody be like, oh, that sound like Michael Jackson or it sound like Prince or whatever. That this vocal style, like, hey baby, what you doing? That has not come back around. <laughs> that like melodic Steve Harvey has not has not remained. Hey, melodic, melodic show. Hey, could you go? It's yo, you know, wait, wait. So it's uh. His family videos about cameo. Yeah. <laughs> Top ten answers on the board. Miss Philippines. That was my mistake. That was on me. Oh yeah. Love oh, it. Shit. Melodic Steve Harvey. Wow. <laughs> There's your title for the episode right there. Oh, yeah. That's what we're calling Okay. Now, I'm a little bit older, okay? Yeah. Still living in New York. A little bit older. Uh, only made out with Kelly Brown. Thought of listening to Nina Cherry. If anyone finds her, please DM me. <laughs> um, okay. And then I, uh, that was a little too poppy for me. So I sort of, you know, there was a radio station in New York at the time, a uh, very famous DJ. You can find his sets um, on, uh, I, I can find them on the internet. DJ Red Alert on 98.7. He had yeah. a very, uh, a, a very, he had a, he had a, um, he, he had a sign up that uh, was very particular to him. He, w- he would go uh, 98.7 keys. <laughs> but, um, and it was it was the era of, it was before mixtape. I mean, I guess mixtapes were happening, but it was before the internet. So you couldn't just stream whatever music you wanted. And so I would, on Friday nights when he had his big DJ set, I would record the, the whole thing. And then hmm. that would be my music for the week in my Walkman, you know? And um, there was uh, a rap duo named Cool G Rap and Polo, okay? Cool G Rap and DJ Polo, all right? And they had a song called Road to the Riches that was sort of like became a little bit of my theme song 
um, like in 10th grade, like you're sort of like coming into your own, you don't want people to fuck with you and you want to get money. Yeah. Know? I mean, and Cool G Rap, Cool G Rap and DJ Polo, I'm sorry if I'm getting that name wrong. Um, Road to the Riches was, here we go. Yeah, it started off with a kid. Well, G Rap and Polo. Hmm. You want to get some money to this. You want to get some money to this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't got enough money. Plays, this music is that plays during the montage of you filling up a shoebox with money. <laughs> yeah, shoebox talking. <laughs> Yeah, and the montage before that is just like you making money, but in all these very legal ways. Like you're just selling, <laughs> you're selling candy, you're washing cars, and it's like somebody's behind you. Just go, just sell drugs. <laughs> just you can do this all. Just sell drugs. It's like, nah, I'm gonna do this right way. I'm gonna shine shoes, fixing bikes. <laughs> <laughs> They give me, they give me, they give me the money in this little handshake, like. <laughs> right, it's like twenty of those. And, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh man, we're only twenty dollars, we're twenty dollars short from saving the club. What are we gonna do? There's a breakdancing battle tomorrow. <laughs> Turbo, you ready? to your dad that's money i'm on the road to the riches mm. good old school shit though right fellas yeah this is like and this is what i mean by like when i said aggressive earlier i don't mean necessarily in the, in the lyrics i just mean like it's so confident like i'm going to do this i'm doing this like there's no there's no room for i guess or maybe it's like no i'm making i'm making money I'm going from rags to riches. You're not like I'm maybe going for you. Like I'm going from nothing to something today, mm -hmm. and not just I don't know maybe. By the time we finish this record, we yeah. will be going from rags to riches. Exactly. Piano in the back, I like that. Mm -hmm. It made me think of that that little juke joint in uh, the color purple. Maserati. <laughs> 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 Yes. Mm. As I tell my kids, real music, girls, listen up. This <laughs> is real music. <laughs> Try to make some money. Uh, Try to make some money. I love it, man. Uh, so like, well, that's what music is. I mean, it's. I mean, that's what music is. It's really get out of bed stuff. It's really drive to work stuff. You know, it's yeah. really get on the subway. Try and be hard. You know, for me, growing up in New York. You ride the subway at such a young age, and you're so vulnerable because you're young, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's not—I don't even want to say I was bullied or 
uh, it's just when you're smaller, you're prey. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so you need to you need to exude hardness, you know, because um, people are right next to you. Exactly. You know? And man, if you blast a song like that and just keep hitting um, keep hitting repeat on the uh, on the on the disc man, or in my case on the um, on the Walkman, that was real stuff. Okay, now. Um, I go to college. Uh, college was the 90s. A lot of people were listening to grunge music. I never yeah. really got into it. There was a band, Spin Doctors. I went to New York University. Spin Doctors was like the home band. Um, I, I was into it. You know, uh, you bought CDs back then. You know, I didn't buy that many CDs because I thought it was a little... They were 20 bucks a piece. It was kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, this is not one of my songs. I'm yeah. just saying. No, this is. since you left town. No, I'm not giving Nick an opportunity to make fun of me. No, 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 we're just saying that shit. What you talking about? This, no, this is. You get, you get this album. This is that shit. I did purchase this album. Yeah, this is back in the day. Yeah, this is this is a good song. Yeah, this is like hacky sack. This is playing hacky sack. <laughs> yeah, this is a, <laughs> this one of those albums you used to buy on Columbia House Record Club, where it's like, oh, for a dollar. <laughs> um, so I did listen to that, but I got to tell you a song that I that really a little bit later that I really got into, and I got I, um, I guess it was. I, you know, it's so funny. We were talking about the housewives earlier. So Candy Burris is a very yes. popular house is a housewife on um, on on Atlanta. I love it. And I, I think Candy had something to do with this whole musical scene. But I listened to Jagged Edge. Where the party at? <laughs> for one year straight. That was the shit. 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 That no, 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 no. We will never, we will never make fun of Jagged. No, we will never make fun of Jagged Edge. Are you kidding me? Where the party at? When that? Where the? Where the Bacardi? We drank Bacardi for six years because of that song. We drank Bacardi. Bacardi Lamar. Bacardi Dragon Fruit. We drank all. I just, I yo. The fuck, Bacardi, no, that we're party at so so deaf, all that shit, the big ass oh, deal. Shit. Yeah, and then Nelly was on, Nelly was on it. Where's the party at? Dirty. Solid. This is solid. This is amazing, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Some of Jermaine Dupri's best work. <laughs> I remember when this song came out. Uh, I was in basketball camp in I think middle school, and one of the coaches was just bullying me because he was a piece of shit. So like I don't know, I forget I forget his name, but I hope he's dead. But uh, he was just like, oh, what are you listening to strippers? I'm like, no, this is Jagged Edge. So, like, I don't know if you remember your I don't remember, I remember your name. I remember what you did to me, and I don't like you. So if you listen to this podcast right now. Hope it's in the grave. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I, hope, I hope you're. I hope you're living a life that's not as happy as mine. <laughs> Your gym teacher? No, I wasn't even a gym teacher. It was just like random basket, a summer league, a summer, a basketball camp coach. Oh, a volunteer coach? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not as happy as you. <laughs> yeah. So wait, what were you, what were you doing? The song came out. I was just moved to LA. Mm-hmm. I was working. I had about a half hour commute every day. And, you know, I'd never had a, an auto commute. I'd never gotten in a car and driven to work. I grew oh, up wow. in New York City, went, yeah. to New, uh, went to NYU. So my only commutes were on trains. This was like a get in your car, have your coffee, and drive and sit in traffic for at least a half hour. And this was about. 2000 this came out i think and i would just put this on repeat in my car i mean this is what i'd listen to on the way to work and i'd try to motivate myself i had a job i, I actually like my job i just uh you know i was going out a lot i was a single person so i would play this going out mm. it was just my anthem for 2000 oh wow that's what's up dude bags and tim <laughs> Did you, did you ever have that moment? You know when you have a song that like you listen to before you go out, and they play it while you're out. 
and you just like <laughs> you're out in the club and it comes out and you're like ah. <laughs> this is my song exactly. this is my song <laughs> this is mine this is mine <laughs> yo I feel I'm, I get angry that like I wasn't in my 20s and 30s when music was coming out because like my heart I used to hear this songs but I want to go to the club so bad I go to the club so bad. I wish I had money to go to the club right now. But now it's like I have the money. I have enough money to go out to the club and shit. And everyone's just singing about perks. And I'm like, dog, that's not the same. No. I want to sing. I want to hear some Bacardi. You know, I think we do have to be a little careful. And I don't. I, I shouldn't say we because I'm a, a hundred years older than you. But I, you know, I am. Like, I don't want to be like Kipper Gore. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I. You know, I, I don't want to be like this. This music is it's too raunchy. They're talking about you know Zanny bars and stuff. I um, it's, it's what the kids are doing. You know. I mean, I guess I feel you. You don't. I, you don't like. Okay, so these these are all right. Look in the camera. These views are only represent me and nobody else. Me, Tuan Nagoda. I do not like pill rap. If you're gonna rap about drugs, rap about cocaine, rap about rap about weed. Cause like, cause like, why, why are you rapping about drugs that are that are sponsored by the FDA? You hate the feds, but you like, you love the feds now. Like, you like, why are you rapping about drugs that doctors give you? Don't rap about, don't rap about the drugs your your doctor gave your grandma when she got a hip she got a hip replaced. What are you doing? Rap about like, don't be like, oh, I she, think it's what these. That's why I think it's what these kids are doing. You know, I mean, I think pills are out there. You know, I mean. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to say. I, I, honestly, it's it's difficult for me because I'm a 47 year old, you know, white guy. I don't want to be like, oh, the drugs and this music. Um, okay. Listen. Oh yeah, it's on repeat. This is like my rock. <laughs> this is the remix. The remix. The remix. The remix. Uh, finally, uh, I'm uh, I'm Nick. Thank you so much for 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 bearing with me during this during this travel down. <laughs> Nick is like Nick is like the nicest guy in the world. Nick is not gonna say anything. I've been no, I'm enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I um, you know, I told you I have two 12 year old daughters, so yeah. I listen to a lot of pop music, and uh, um, I mentioned Pop Smoke. Uh, rest in peace. Um. But you know, um, I really like listening to Doja Cat now when we're yeah. in the car. I think she's she's really. Um, I find her to be. This is going to make me sound like a, a complete pervert because I'm a hundred years old. But I find her to be very attractive. Um, I find her to be uh, like she exudes like the right amount of sexuality. I think in music, and she's got. I think she's got a really good sense of humor. She's got a yeah. song called, I believe it's called B "Bitch, I'm a Cow." Oh yeah, uh, Moo. It's called Moo. It's called, it's called, it's called Moo. The song is obviously called Moo. That's the song I want to play. When my kids played that for me, because my kids, I always give them the aux cable whenever we get in the car. And you're a good dad. Yeah. <laughs> you're a good dad for that. My, my dad wouldn't do that. We're not playing this music. No, he doesn't even sound like that. Why? Why doesn't my dad sound like that? I'm sorry. I should have been coming to America too. My fault. That was bad. That was bad. What I like about this song too is just like, I think maybe like a few years, like because everyone, everyone was like, oh, this is Doja Cat's first song. You know, it's like for a few years she was making music consistently, and then she made the song as a joke, and then when it took off, she was ready to be like, oh, here's another song and another song and another song and another song. So it's just like, it was one of those things about like how she prepared, she prepared for her moment, and I, I always appreciate that. Like I like that when people are like, it's well, not, it's. it's I know what you're saying. There's, a, there's an adage. You 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 never have to get ready if you are ready. And mm. Doja Cat was was ready. Exactly. And that's and I think it's hard, especially like to be ready because it takes time and preparation and understanding, like, yo, I'm not ready yet. And being like honest with yourself and being patient. And that's like, for me, especially, that was a very, that was a, that was a very difficult thing. Cause like, I, we didn't talk about this, but like, I'm a stand up comic, right? Nick's a stand up comic as well. And we've been like, for me, this is gonna be like, I think today, no, in two days is my 12 year anniversary of being a stand up comic, which is 
that's a long time for me and uh things are slowly things are finally going in the direction that i'm like all right word i know what i'm doing and if my moment comes i'll be somewhat prepared so it's like it's just understanding like it's just the preparation what you have to do and knowing yourself and not rushing to be like i gotta do this now like no you gotta do things at the pace you're supposed to do it because if you do things faster than that it's gonna end badly for you so you have to just trust to know yourself so music like this helps because you're just like oh, this, this song's goofy but... been... i'm sorry I hear what you said. Uh, it, it must be tough during this whole time it must be tough during this whole time as a stand-up comic like uh I mean, like, obviously you have this show, but you must miss audiences and all that interaction. Oh, 100%. It's, it's very tough. I think Nick can also attest to this. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where, like, you miss being around people. And just, because stand-up, when it's great, it feels like a long conversation. And you're the one talking, but people are reacting. People are, you're communicating with all these people at once. And... You can end up like saying something about yourself, and when you say this thing, you can see people be like, "I feel the same way." So if now you're like talking for me, and after the show's over, they look at you like, "Hey, thanks for saying that," or just like, "I like I've been thinking of that for a while," or like, "I never thought of it this way." And it's just like, it's cool. And I think in the past year, I made I got grateful to the audiences, and like, because for a long time you're just like, "Oh fuck these people," they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But it's like I'm grateful for them to be like just to let us into their world and like there are people that follow me on instagram and stuff from shows and i'm just like yo thank you guys for thinking that i belong in, in your world you know what i mean you can, like that's that's a that's a really dope experience and without that you have to find ways to adjust the show is great but you know we do other stuff like nick is doing sketches now being hilarious you know what i mean like i draw badly but i still draw pretty i, I draw i draw comic strips which i like and it's like you know you find ways because i think entertain when you entertain when you're in, when you're in entertainment it's kind of like we do this because we love we think we have something to offer to the world you know what i mean and it's in any way so it's dope so but you know it's sort of I, I think it's I, I think it's also I, I think people can relate to this in any sort of industry as well. You know, for me, I came in as an actor and I auditioned for things. I would get sides and go in an audition and either get the part or not get the part, usually mm -hmm. not get the part. And then I'd go to set and I'd say my lines. And then I'd say about 20 years ago, I started to notice that good comedy actors were coming out of a place called either groundlings or upright citizens brigade yeah. and at this time i'm a 20 i'm a 27 year old actor so i'm still a young actor but i'm like an adult at this point you know mm -hmm. and i was like wow like these people are doing improv and they're booking jobs and on sets directors are saying hey can you just ad lib a little bit here and i am not prepared for this and I went at the age of 27 to Upright Citizens Brigade, like signed up for UCB 101. Mm. And I was the oldest, I was the oldest person, I meant much like, much like me on this show. I was yeah. the oldest person. That moment, that moment prepared you for and... that one. So that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta say, I, at that moment, I did all those UCB classes, and it made me a much more hireable actor. And you just have to always be moving. You know, you have to always be moving. Mm, yeah. You can't ever sit back. I mean, it's like it's like that dumb. They have a corporate book called "Who Moved My Cheese," which is about the mice and the fucking maze who they move the cheese, and the the mouse who searches every day does better at work. And it's like you have to like always be moving you know i mean hmm. I, you know that's exactly what you said yeah and i appreciate that and also like i'll say this like you talked about comedy and the, the reverence you have for like improv information and stuff like that i saw you like i i because i thought like you know i knew what acting was but then i started going to plays and like i saw you in a play that was the scariest thing i've ever seen like plays that seems horrifying because you can't really improvise in that It's, you know, it's tough, um, but when you do it, and you can do it, but when you do it, you feel like you can do anything. It's just, uh, I, 
you know, you, you, you rehearse for a month straight, six days a week. You do about two weeks of like what they call tech, where they set the lights and everything, and then you go. And it's really nerve wracking, but when it's all done, you are, uh, you really, you, you, you feel like you could go work on Downton Abbey. You, you feel like nothing. Uh, I could go work on The Crown, and no one would be like, "Who is this guy?" Like you just feel, it's just, it's, it's just the. Um, it's just the biggest challenge, but at the same time, it's the it's the most rewarding. Oh, that's it. That stage acting when I watched it, it was so great because like because I watched what was it a soldier's play right? I went I went to it. You were in it. Oh, me. Gonna, yeah, and I remember yeah. I, I, was, I was like Jerry O'Connell's in this. What? Because <laughs> I because I thought she was just a funny dude, and it's like the play is so serious. But I think no, the the, the story is so serious. It's very serious. But th- there were still so many like funny human parts I gotta tell you I learned a lot watching David Alan Greer in that play he yes. was nominated for a Tony as long as uh, our other co-star Blair Underwood but here's a guy David Alan Greer who in In Living Color when I was younger was the funniest uh, it was the epicenter of comedy it was everything that comedy was and um uh, to see him in that play, playing a soldier's play, written by Charles Fuller, nominated for Tonys, look it up. Um, um, to see David Allen Greer do such a dramatic role, I, I just—it's just so inspiring. I mean, that's another reason why is because when you go to the big leagues like that, you you're you're surrounded by the Michael Jordans. You know, you just see a guy like David Allen Greer who is the best, one of the best living actors out there. Yeah, that and you said you also said Blair Underwood because he did it because in that in that play he was doing his thing. They had one moment that I I think I've talked about on the podcast before. I talk about this everywhere. Like so, I think it was after the intermission, right? He comes out. He just his character just took a shower, and every woman started screaming. Like every woman <laughs> is just like, like what? And like and but then the the but the part that really got me. This is what really got me. It wasn't the screaming. The look on his face of just like. Yeah, I know. I, I know, but I have to do the I have to do the line. Yes, this is this 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 is this is nice. This is very nice for you. I know. It's like it's it was like watching a teacher tell a sixth grade class they got a pizza party, but they still have to do class. Like, all right, we're having pizza at the end of the day. Okay, okay. But it was like just and I was like, oh my God, I will never be attractive. Cause that like cause that man was just like, Yes, I know. I've been here. This has been this has been this has been my reality for the past twenty five years. I understand. In my mind, I'm like, all right. If I just we do one more, go on. Go on. Uh, what what Tawanda is talking about is Blair Underwood would show his chest, and there would be an applause <laughs> from mostly women, but some men as well. I don't yes. want to assign gender about who was excited about seeing Blair's chest, but everyone was screaming. But we would sit backstage. Um, <laughs> There was uh, there was one really gr- um, another amazing actor in that a guy named Jay Alphonse who plays um, uh, Lil Murda on yeah on what's called on P Valley yeah he's dope. he was dope. he was dope he was dope he was great he was great yeah. amazing amazing actor but he and I would sit backstage and time how long the cheer <laughs> you could tell listen usually and you will know this you will know this as uh, as as comics Friday nights when people got lit the scream would last for close to four minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tuesdays and Wednesdays, when people aren't that lit because they have work, the scream would be like 30 seconds. It was like, I mean, it was like a science. We had it down to a science. That was yeah. a really, Soldier's Play was a great, Soldier's Play was such an amazing experience. It really was. And it was just amazing it was amazing on so many levels. It's about race relations in the U.S. Army in right before World War II, and um, um, and uh, you know Blair's character. Blair plays a guy who is one of is the first African American officer on a base, and it's really crazy because I have to have a scene with him where I say I've never met. Yes, I've never met an African American officer. I've just never seen one, and. It was crazy because I had to, as an actor, remove any, (laughs) 
any uh, sense that I that I have as a human. You know what I'm saying? I mean, to say this shit, and I was so nervous saying some of that shit, but it was it was especially touching. I I stay in touch with the whole cast, very <laughs> very close to the whole cast, but I stay in touch with Blair as well, and Blair's father. Okay, recently passed away. God rest his soul. But mm. he he was a colonel in the army. So this is a guy who was uh, an African-American who was, I, I don't know the exact number, but I think he was in his 80s. So you can imagine he had been in the service for 60 years as an African-American, rose to the rank of colonel. So it was more than just going and performing a play. This was like uh, people had, um, people. Uh, we were on a mission doing that show. You know, it was a mission. That and, was, um, I loved it. Yeah, it was a really good play. Yeah. Um, um one thing I want to say. Closed, I mean, nobody goes to audience. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, I say this about the play. Uh there's that one scene, right, where Dave Allen Gurr's character is drunk and he gets beat up by the two racist officers. Yes, yes. I'll say this in that scene, I forget, I think it was the main officer who did all the talking. I it's gonna be a weird thing for me to say. I know I'd say the sentence, but that might have been the best racist I've ever seen in media because the way he did not like just the way, like, like he showed, like, because usually you watch like in movies and stuff, you see the racist character is just like drooling at the mouth, yeah. subhuman, like just mo- like how this person, but you saw in like his eyes. He said one line and he was just like, There are good men dying for you. And you could hear the pain and just like, the pain and the anger and how he had taken it, he's taken out this resentment towards what this war was and putting it right. on. After, I was like, right. that is acting. My God. I was like, oh, shit. It was just like. Well, well a couple of things. That actor's name is Nate. He's great. Shout Charles to Nate. Fuller, who's the playwright. Uh, real, uh, a real, uh, I mean, this was a play that had run for, I think, close to three years. Don't quote me on that, but it ran for a very long time at the Negro Ensemble Company, which was an off, off-Broadway playhouse in the 80s, in 70s and 80s in New York. So this play was really ready for Broadway. It was honed and, and ready to go. And all that said, our boss was a guy named Kenny Leon, who is an amazing director. And I sat there in the rehearsal. We were all there. In rehearsal and he honed oh man he honed that that scene to be so racial he he honed that scene to be as frightening as it was yeah, it, was it was very so good to he just hones he just hones you know a lot of times i'll tell you for for me example a, a big chunk of the play for me was sitting down with blair underwood and saying you're the first african-american officer i've ever um ever seen um and kenny was like just play it like this is matter of fact man hey man i've never i've never seen quote one of you i've never seen this this is crazy for me and he was like the more matter of fact you make this the more cutting it will be (laughs) yes it's just and for me to sit at home and think that and run those lines i'd be like man this is this is bananas that he's a great director no, it was like. Um, hey guys, I gotta take my kid. I, I I gotta take my kids to a math tutor. I'm, all right, I, I went over. Oh my god! All right, so um, guys, I, I understand that. I just want to do one thing. It's gonna take two minutes, and then we're done. Cause sorry, cause we got so caught. Cause we got. First of all, thank you, that shout out to you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Everyone crazy. Everyone was like, "Oh shit, the dude from Kangaroo Jack," and I was like, "Yeah, the dude from Kangaroo." My, my my manager Jamie was just like, oh my god! My, my manager Jamie lost her mind. She was just like, you're getting Jerry O'Connell, and she went and she went. She sent me like eight YouTube clips, just being like, I'm in love with him. So I just want to say thank. But then finally, just a quick thing, just tell me one thing in your life, and I'll give you a song to play because the lights are going out in my place. We're running out of time, but one thing in your life, I'll give you a song for it in ten seconds. Something's going on. I like. I'll give you a song for it. One. Oh, you're gonna give me something that's going on in my yes. life, right? Yes, something, something, something you can play in the yeah, something you can play in okay. the car. Um, I'm I'm stuck at home with my kids. I mean, I love my kids, and uh, but I mean, obviously schools are closed down. I have to deal with them doing online stuff. My wife is 
shooting on location. I'm at home alone with them. They're 12. Uh, they're angry. All they want are cell phones. They yell at me all the time. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's a really, um, I just try and force them to do homework. They're both failing math. That's why I have to take them to a math tutor today. Um, I feel like I'm a bad parent because when they're not doing their homework, I, I like I just I gently grab them and shake them and go, you have to do more homework. I obviously it's not physical in any way. It's just a grabbing and light shaking. Um, uh, keep going. Is the song coming? Like I have a song okay. of mine right now. All right. Basically, what I'm hearing is just like, okay. you know, you are living life. Everything's going like you're having you're just trying to be a good dad. You're trying to be a good father. You're trying to, you know, nurture your children. And I would say a good song for this is on from 2012, Nas had an album called Life is Good. And he has a song called Daughters. And the song is him literally like Nas, this guy who's analyzed every part of his life. He's, he's analyzed, he's analyzed, you know, the projects, he's analyzed himself, he's analyzed, you know, Hotep history of, of Africa. But at this point, he's just like, Am I a good dad? And how is like in this, as you're watching Nas, the rapper Nas, who has said some of the hard, like the guy, the guy who dissed Jay Z and made Jay Z cry on the radio, is now just like look at himself, like, am I a good dad? How can I be a better dad? What am I doing? Am I doing? Am I okay? And it's like, and the beat of it is just like it's not like it's very serious, depressing. It's just like yo. I feel like this is a good song. Yeah, this is a, this, this is a good song. Like you know, what I mean, like in the mornings and stuff, or at, at, after at the afternoon, we're like, all right, your kids are like, I'm trying to make sure my kids are doing their homework. Yes. So I think that this this song right here, we played the whole thing, which I know you gotta go because you gotta you gotta be a good dad. But so like this this song right here, Off Life is Good from 2000 from 2012, that'll help so much. And yo, Jerry, man, thank you so much for being on the show, bro. We really appreciate you. It was it was fantastic. Anytime. Love you too, Andre. Nick, love you. Uche, thank you for queuing up all my songs. I, uh, I <laughs> thank you. You're very welcome. Notes. All right. <laughs> all right. Be easy, bro. See you, fellas. Love Peace. you. Thanks, man. <laughs> What's up with you? What's going on? Let him know he'll prescribe you a song. Turn the volume.